0: Whoa, good morning, good afternoon, good night. This is Connor Hawley of the Golden Hours Podcast, and hey, this is a GDP Minute. Listen, I just had Sandra Sigmund of Les Fleur's, a massive flower shop up in North Andover up on the show, and she's an absolute boss. She's running a big seven-figure flower company slash brick-and-mortar store up in North Andover, and she tossed in a lot of motivation in there for young entrepreneurs, man. She used to be a pro ice skater and then she lost her mother when she was 23 directly after starting up a shop. And she was just like, I guess I just kind of got to do this thing. She went to a bridal show and she ended up landing 38 clients that day. And so she kind of talked about how she's built the business up how she developed the style as a floral designer, how she got into the industry, some of the discipline she's had early on. And she also kind of designated what makes her flowers different than the flowers I buy for shorties at Stop and Shop. So it was a really, really interesting episode for us. I learned a lot about the floral industry, how she gets flowers, how flowers come in off planes. And honestly, I'd love to do another one with her, a little deeper dive. She talked about uh, why she doesn't like to do funerals and how deaths affected her and uh, growing a business, man. And she also gave some really good advice for young female entrepreneurs out there who haven't started their first idea yet and want to. And listen, I hope we're coming through value over here, man. We are slinging. My name is Connor Hallway. Again, if you get any value from the podcast, just share it with a friend, and uh, we'll catch you at the next one. Whoa.
1: Golden Deer Productions, Golden
2: Deer,
0: oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Before I introduce the guest to my right, who's in the building today?
2: Hey, Big Fresh, checking in for another episode. And, and
0: you're owning Big Fresh now is your nickname, which yeah, is great. Yeah,
2: have I've grown to it.
0: And it makes sense, because Big Fresh, right, the emoji I use is actually a cabbage, but I'm going to start using a flower for him <laughs> online. <laughs> And then to my right, I'm very excited about this episode because it's like a totally new variety slash territory for us in terms of industry. We've been having like a lot of entrepreneurs and professionals up, mm-hmm. but the floral industry is fascinating. And so to my right, I have Sandra Sigmund of, if I'm, I hope my accent is, is it Fleur.
1: Yeah, Fleur.
0: Thank you for coming. welcome.
1: Thanks you, for being here. Do you want
0: to kind of just give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do?
1: Yes. But first of all, thank you. This is really definitely out I, of my comfort zone. I've never done a podcast before, so... Well, you've
0: been doing some content, though, I've, uh, right, on YouTube. I've seen it.
1: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Your, yeah, vid-
0: your videographer does a good job.
1: Yeah, actually, I found her on something called Andover Moms. I was trying to, you know... All of us at work are trying to put video together, and it's, that's a whole nother thing. And because I'm like over 50, I was like, this doesn't come naturally to me. So put it out there, and I had a high school girl send me a video that blew me away. And I was like, okay, can you come do this? And she did it. And she just does it in her free time. She's amazing. So do you have her? Shout just, out to Caitlin.
0: Shout out to Caitlin. <laughs> do you have her just post about the shop and like, you're like, hey, I got an idea for a video right now? Or are you guys just kind of trying to learn the wheels of YouTube and how it works?
1: Yeah, well we're noticing videos like becoming really huge, especially for an industry like mine where it's visual. So people want to see not the beautiful bouquet you make, but how you make it. So a lot of times we're doing a lot of behind the scenes. And also we get a lot of questions like, What do you what do you guys do? Like where do you get your flowers? So we came, we started coming up with ideas of like what kind of videos we could do. So one of them is like the day in the life of a floral designer. I and, saw the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. She followed me in at six o'clock in the morning and you know, took video and, and just more importantly, put it all together. I was like, "How are you going to do all this content?" But she did a great job, and it kind of highlights what we do. So that's definitely something. But you know, Instagram—we're trying to do little stories there. My, my
0: yeah. m- I'm tr- my mom is a financial planner, and so oh. she, whoa, money, whoa, <laughs> yeah. But she, uh, I'm trying to get her heavier on content too. But there's these compliance issues. You know, oh, sure. people with money, so like, but it's it's interesting to see people in your demographics start to, to kind of navigate social media and how to use it. I think you did it, you're doing it in like the most classy, best way possible. Oh, I feel like yeah. it's very well calculated. Have you been planning it for a while?
1: Well, this is, I always like to tell stories, just like my husband, so. Wait, before
0: you tell the story. Yes. Can you tell everyone who you are and what oh, you do?
1: Okay, so sorry. So my name is Sandra Sigmund, and I started a company with my mom 28 years ago at age 23, same as you. So everybody out there in their 20s, you can you can do this. And um, so I own a floral home garden store in Andover, um, a little bit 30 uh, 30 minutes north of Boston. A lot of folks are like, "Where's Andover?" Believe it or not, we. Up there, up north, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I have a retail brick and mortar store. I have about fourteen employees now, and we just crank out anything to do with flowers and home decor and plants. And
0: and it's not any floral store; it's a very <laughs> high end, really nice, nice floral store. I was with Don't my care. aunt last night, who actually lives in Andover, sure. and she was like, every time you like walk in there, you feel like very relaxed and very alleviated. Oh, I that's feel. Wonderful. I feel like you have a really great attention to detail. How important is that in your industry? Like crazy?
1: Crazy. Crazy. I mean, a couple things. One, um, to dial back about the experience, that is so important to me. If I can give any advice to anybody starting up, you know, getting a paycheck or, you know, a person walks in and you're looking at dollar signs like, oh, that person, if she buys this, I'm going to get, you know, money down on my car. I I don't look at things ever that way because to me I want to serve I want to give back I want to educate. So when folks come into my shop and they're just standing there, and they tell me they've had a bad day or that you know X Y and Z's happened, and I can make their day a little bit nicer or brighter. And I mean, look at flowers. I mean, you can't be in a bad mood or you can't you know walk in the niche unless garden, they're dead. Unless they're dead. Yeah, but. You know, sometimes, but then you recycle
0: in, them like a little compost pile, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Or people come in and they're like, you know, my dad's favorite flower was, you know, daisies that he used to give to my mom. And could you add those? And it brings a lot of joy to that family, you know? So we are really dead getting dead daisies
0: into, or normal daisies? Normal daisies, okay. yeah, huh. yeah, whatever.
1: I mean, it does bring, you know, life to them. So mm-hmm. we do try to give back and everything, yeah.
0: So, so you, what is so you start the company when you're 23. Can you just elaborate right now what your day-to-day is like as a floral designer? Like, what is it you actually do? Because I know you do a lot of designing, master florist, but you're also operating a business full-time, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, the story goes back a little bit further, so I I think I need to Give the whole background. Well, it's important because this truly wasn't what I wanted to do with my career, with my life. Mm -hmm. It chose me. And how it shows me is, I always say, I come from a family of creatives. So I had a grandfather who immigrated from Italy, barely spoke English, and he was a pastry chef. So creative. And his creativity came through, and these gorgeous wedding cakes he used to make. And he used to make icing flowers that were, like, so intricate. And I used to watch him, and I'd be like, no, no. Like, what are you doing? And he'd show me. And they were just these amazing, gorgeous cakes. So that was the first kind of glimpse of, like, something that – was like my left brain versus my right brain. I was like, this is kind of cool. And then the other side of my family was my Swedish grandmother, my mother's side, who grew the most amazing, you know, peonies and dahlias and everything in her garden. And I was like, oh my God, that's absolutely gorgeous. Too. Where was she from? Well my grandmother was from Sweden, but immigrated to the Worcester area. Okay. So I grew up in Worcester. So my mother it wasn't a big surprise that she became um kind of like a floral designer she would put flowers together and my father came home one day and he worked for Nabisco Corporation and he said
0: Nabisco like Cheez-Its yeah, and like yeah. Chips Ahoy and
1: Chips Ahoy Oreos nice it's yeah. a fire company why do you have something funny provide
0: um, a lot of joy in my life
1: my friends would come over and they'd be like oh my god look at there's like cookies and so cookies. many snacks yeah it's snacks and I'd be like Ugh. <laughs> like i was so sick of them like here eat them like take them. Well, take I'm, them sure, with I'm you. sure
0: your kids are like that with flowers right they're like oh I don't want to see another flower <laughs>
1: Believe it this is funny. I don't take as many flowers home as one would think. By the end of the day... I'm sure I'm like, your house
0: oh. is still loaded with flowers, though. Uh, lots of gardens. I'm yeah. I like, love
1: my garden. Yeah. So my dad came home from work one day, and he said to my mother... My mother's name was Madonna, so... Whoa. Yeah. I told her, "Your Mom, you were the first Madonna. You're so, the
0: real Madonna. Yeah,
1: so I said... Uh, he said, Madonna, you've got to come in with your bouquets and show them to the grocery store owner. And my mom was like, I have four kids. Like, so she put us in the car and all four of us went off to the grocery store with all these handmade bouquets and we went in and the grocery store owner said oh my god these are so great you have to give me like 200 by like in two weeks for like easter or something so we were like so my mother was like i don't have enough flowers in my garden so she said to me one day and this was very pivotal for me i was probably like 10 or 11 she's like sandra we're gonna go take a ride and I was like, "Where are we going?" And she's like, "Just get in the car." So we drove from Worcester to Boston, and we drove. Are, are you the oldest of all the kids? No, I'm the third. Okay. So we drove to Boston to this like big warehouse, and I was like, "Where are we?" And I walked in, and I literally just stopped, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And it was the Boston Flower Market.
0: So still in the same place now, right? No, the, no
1: developers. Moved. Yeah, it's a whole other story. I know it's kind of sad. So, yes, that was my first entry into flowers. I was like, wow, this is just pretty cool.
0: What was it like back then, the flower mart?
1: It was actually a really kind of sweet story behind it. There was all these guys, mostly guys, um, would start like, I'm the rose guy, I'm the carnation guy, and they would start this little co-op. So they would show up with their carts, you know, like the early 1900s, like a really long time ago, and they started going to this place, and they started to decide to call it the Boston Flower Exchange or Market. And each person would come and have their little cart, a little stall, and you'd go and you, it's like a little farmer's market, and you'd get your flowers and. It
0: but just, specifically, just flowers, correct?
1: Yeah, just flowers, because the produce is in Chelsea, um, where you get your, you know, the restaurants get their veggies and fruits and etc. So back to the flower market. These families just stayed generation, generation. And then all of a sudden, all the development started coming in for the Seaport District because it was down on Albany Street. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, it had to be a majority rule, and a lot of families, you know, sons and daughters went on to do other things so it had to be a majority and they just got tempted with way too much money and a lot of families wanted out they just didn't want to carry on the tradition and sold it so they have tried to rebuild it and it's now in chelsea kind of near the fruit and produce section i mean i hope i'm not miss speaking about this but i don't think it's the same and maybe because of doesn't I went, have
0: that same authenticity it just
1: doesn't and it's just kind of changed a little bit and the way we buy flowers is really different now too so that's a whole what do you mean? thing. Well, the days you you went into the the market and you picked up your your goods for the day, and that's what you needed. And if you needed a you know red roses, you got those. But this day and age, the types of farms and things that are growing all over the world. I mean, you can get orchids from you know the Philippines. You can get them from Hawaii. You can get roses from now Northern Africa. You can get them from Ecuador. And then you have the whole Holland thing where they're like the hub they're like the New York Stock Exchange. Well, they're the they're the flower exchange. And you go into a website now and you have a broker. I have a broker in New York. I have a flower broker. I was like, this is so cool. Whoa. Yeah. And what they do now Modern. is they, Yeah. And what you do is you go into these sites and you're like, okay, I have a wedding and I need 100 stems of, or 300 stems of like a certain rose, like white roses. And you can look at farms and you can look at the length of the rose, the style of the rose, the shade of the rose. And then once you press like, the button it's on what it's on route shipped directly to you
0: so for reference when you're at the the spot in chelsea and even back then is this warehouse like on a in a harbor and there's a big boat bringing all these flowers over or how do people get them initially
1: yeah uh they're flown in airports fedex pretty okay. much overnight so dry, there's these big ice. flower
0: planes that are just shipping in tons of flowers yeah. i'm yeah. just yeah. trying to simplify the yeah. industry as much yeah. as i can yeah
1: and, and also the other thing that's really huge now is flower farmers. And there's a gal out in Washington in Seattle area and her name is Erin and she owns a company called Florette and she's written like two books now. She's like in her 30s and she's really changing the way flowers are grown. I mean she grows like flowers this big and just varieties that you've never seen. And she's now heralded as this, you know, you know what do they call it? Like food to food to table or table to food, whatever. And this is like less of a carbon imprint so it's not flying from ecuador it's you know coming in sustainable here which is kind of domestic yeah it's kind of cool so
0: so not to bounce around too much but so let's say when erin grows her first flower she i'm sure it's pretty cheap by the unit as as the flower moves up and gets to the end consumer, how much is it marked up from initially from when it's planted? So let's say the seed's 10 cents, then you buy it for like a buck at the flower market, and then you sell it for X, Y, Z. What is, how much more are you marking it up?
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes if a flower costs you, let's say a dollar, you know. A you dollar at the mart? Yeah, or from a flower farmer. Okay. And you get the flower in, you know, that's really when your job starts, because everything's wrapped tightly Things have to be hydrated a certain way. You have to strip all the leaves off. You have to do a lot of laborious work ahead of time to get the flower where -hmm. you want it to be. I mean, you should see when it's a wedding season, those have to stay out. Those have to go in the cooler. Those are opening too quick. That has to be in hot water. That has to be in cold water. That has to be, you know, with this type of preservative, you know, like hydrangeas have to be treated differently than roses. So, you know. You, the markup can be, you know, sometimes like three dollars. Yeah, it's don't markup. feel bad about it. No, okay. <laughs> it's not. It's it's just really hard because it's a great question. People think like the flowers just come in and we just throw them in a bucket.
0: No, you got to prepare. Yeah, them and
1: yeah. Then the design part element starts. Mm-hmm. But back to the story about how I started at age twenty three. Please, which, congratulations. It's Thank
0: awesome. you. Our Jordan yeah. year. Well, you just turned twenty four, twenty three. Twenty three. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're young for our grade, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, when I was in high school, I first started helping my mom out. Well, you were
0: also a boss pro skater, right?
1: Yeah. So, I went to school all day, skated a zillion hours, and then on the weekends helped my mom. And um, she never had a flower shop. She, my dad converted like our garage into like a little studio space for her. And she started literally servicing all the grocery stores in the Worcester area. And then grocery stores got I grew smarter. that quick. Wow. Yeah, grew really quick. And she was very entrepreneurial, which I, I look back now and like.
0: That's where you got that edge.
1: I think so. Yeah. And I think, but also when you're in high school and, you know, your friends are asking you to go to the football game and you have to like do 20 arrangements, you're not too thrilled with the flower industry. But looking of,
0: back, you totally value the experience, right?
1: Oh, yeah. And it taught me work ethic, taught me to suck it up when I didn't feel good or didn't want to do something. The Discipline. Yeah, it was great. It was great, great. And also. you
0: weren't smoking weed underneath the bleachers. (laughs) No,
1: no, that's for sure. I was like working my ass off. I'm sure, yeah. And I had goals and wanted to kind of, you know, maybe early on I look back now and I guess I was always a little bit an old soul in that aspect, you know.
0: Were you always type A, like growing up? I I, I don't say that with a bad connotation either. No, I
1: don't take it. I think um, my skating kind of formed that like if you have coaches who are like up, excuse my French, up your ass, like Mm -hmm. land that, you know, you have seven triples. And if you don't land it in the first part of your sequence, you got to throw it in somewhere else. And there's just all these like intricacies about how you have to perform. I mean, think about it. You're 15 years old. You've got to get on the ice, not, not only in front of the public all these judges that are literally have pen and paper with you just like, smile like, yeah and you're like okay. okay i gotta land seven triples and i've got to you know be on key and i got to do everything my coach tells me and, and i if just I don't. tore my
0: acl but no one's supposed to know yeah
1: and yeah yeah totally and you know and people think like you know figure skaters are just out there in little tutus and floating it's around psycho it's, it's demand it's yeah. crazy it's crazy and perfectionism is the end goal completely all mm-hmm. the time and Sim, also it's same with gymnastics
0: like oh similar
1: angle, yeah, right yeah and you have no life too I mean coaches are like you know
0: you're not if you're good
1: up. oh yeah and if they see potential in you and there's just like all these checks and balances all the way I mean my coach wanted me to be homeschooled my parents were like what
0: What?" oh so you were really good
1: well I mean
0: it's okay to say yes
1: no no if I this is the truth if I said I was bad after skating and training for since I was like eight years old, then I'd be lying. But, you know, there's always room for improvement. And I tell this story and my husband kind of thinks it's funny, but I, my last time skating was my national appearance. And nationals, once you win that, you go on to the Olympics. And I came in dead last and cried the whole way home and swore I would never put on another pair of skates.
0: I thought you went to Europe, didn't you? Well,
1: that's what happened. and I kind of took a year off because I was just like, I need a break. I need to go off to school. I need to go to college.
0: And how old are you? Like 18, 19 at this
1: time? Yeah, yeah. No, I was like 18. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I went to college for a year. My parents couldn't afford like some fancy school, so I went to um, UMass South Dartmouth for a year. Didn't know what my major was going to be. I was just like wandering.
0: It was called South Dartmouth back then? Yeah.
1: What is it now? It's just UMass Dartmouth now. Okay. Yeah.
0: Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? You knew
1: it? I think there's so many yes and no I mean yeah I met some amazing friends I met my best friend there her name's Kim hi Kim shout out to Kim yeah who works at Putnam Investments um that's that's another story that's a great story too (laughs) don't let me circle back there but anyways went off to school for a year and just kind of was miserable I missed skating but then I didn't you were boarding at Dartmouth yeah yeah
0: okay well for reference have you ever been at UMass Dartmouth no It it is not the most aesthetic campus of all time. One of my closest friends went there. Kind of looks like a prison, honestly. (laughs) It does. It does. My parents were like... I imagine when you were going to school, it didn't look as outdated, but it is like a big concrete slab kind of with a big circle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
0: I can imagine you being kind of the creative soul. You're like, whoa. Oh,
1: yeah. I feel like I was landed in like... uh, I don't know. But I was just... Maybe, you know to give a shout out to other kids not really knowing what they want to do. It's just I was trying to find myself. And um, I came home that summer, and I just went skating one day. I hadn't skated in like six months. I was like, I'm just going to go skate. And I ended up bumping into one of my old teammates. And she said, you know, someone's asking about you. And I was like one of our old coaches who now was one of the coaches for Ice Capades. And she's like, you know, you should call him. And I was like, what am I going to call one of my old coaches I haven't seen in like a year and a half? And something made me do it. I don't know what made me do it. And I called him and he says, you know, I think you should show up at this, this audition. And I was just like, oh, really? I haven't skated in six months. He's like, no, no, no. You don't have to do triples. He's like, just show up. So I went home that day. I'll never forget. And I said, mom, I have to be in the Providence, Providence Civic Center. And my mother was like, what? For what? And I was like, for skating. And she was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, yeah, let's just, just let's go. And the, the best part of this is no one knew I was going except my mother. And I thought, what's the worst thing that could
0: happen? What is the Civic Center? Is that the Dunkin' Donuts Center now? Right oh, yeah. downtown? See,
1: I'm aging myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, I went yeah. to Providence College. So oh, okay. Yeah. PC. Great school. Whoa. Yeah. So showed up. And I showed up and there's like literally like 75 people there. Women. You know, skaters. And I was like, oh, shit and they um first thing they did is they they um see how tall you are and they weigh you which is sick like i think about it now and um they don't let you get on the ice unless you're like dying the the look they're looking for and then once you get out there you have to prove yourself and in the i was like 75 people and we're all like crashing into each other and then they lower it to like you know 50 people 50 what was the skaters. audition
0: for like disney on ice or something
1: Ice Capades. Oh, Ice Capades. Yeah. So what is that? Yeah. Like- it was like a skating show like Stars on Ice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened is, as it dwindled down, it ended up being like 10 of us. And then the choreographers start coming out and they start teaching you routines and seeing how quickly you can pick it up. Someone told me it's kind of like trying out for the Patriots cheerleaders. They just keep dwindling it down and mm-hmm. they keep giving you harder tasks to do. And then it came to me and another girl. And at the end, I was just like, well wow, this is this serious. And literally after that, they came up to me and they said, we're offering you a contract and can you leave for California next week? And I was like, what? I'm supposed to go back to school. Like, it was like But then
0: you're like, UMass Dartmouth, Uh, that Cali world. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Go travel the world. Will you be trained in California for six weeks, learned a show, and then traveled around the United States. Whoa. And then from there, I got a contract in Paris and that's how it led me to okay and then i lived there for another almost year and a half
0: so in paris just to expedite real quick in paris is when you start picking up the floral sense correct
1: yeah well this is again to circle back so my mom um started you know grocery stores started buying direct my mom decided that she wanted to start doing weddings and i was like mom you don't know how to do weddings and she's like, well, I'm going to figure it out. She's like,
0: well, you watch me, Sandra.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And that's what I loved about her. I think there's a book I'm reading right now, um, Marie Forleo. It's called Everything is Figure outable And she talks about her mother. And it reminded me a lot about my mother, too. Like, my mom didn't have a formal education. You know, I graduated high school but didn't go on to college. And she just always had that, I can figure this out. You know, and just... A lot of perseverance. And, you know, what's the worst thing can happen? You got to try. So, kind of what I did. Yeah.
0: And so then, your mom, she, so you're already touching on the floral stuff. You're this boss pro skater. You're doing the shows. And then, you're popping around flower shops in Paris?
1: Yeah. So, when I was living in Paris, you know, I got the contract. um, Our shows were at night. So, and this was the era of like Katarina Vitt. I don't know if you guys remember the... Kennedy I mean a bit? No? Anybody? Okay. Well, she's a famous German skater.
0: And I, I'm, I'm familiar with the Michelle Kwan era. Oh,
1: Is that yeah. a little later? She, she's Yeah, she's a little younger. Okay.
0: <laughs> a lot younger. Do, you know any famous pro skaters?
1: Um, Nancy Kerrigan. Come on, everybody. Oh, I was going to say, I,
0: I, I didn't yeah. know if you were going to do, if when she's you like, were in that tryout at, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, yeah. if you Nancy Kerrigan, you're a competition. And no, she like, hit no, her with she's... a bat in the knee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Scott could come out. No, no, no. She's, oh, yeah, she's younger did. too. She's younger too.
0: What a crazy story.
1: Yeah. Right. right. Totally. I mean, we talked about that. And and actually the orthopedic surgeon that treated her was one of my coaches.
0: Whoa. Yeah. So you could have gotten caught in the Malin Bradley.
1: I don't know where you are, Brad, but like great dude, orthopedic surgeon, Harvard, like
0: Tylenol sponsored. <laughs>
1: Probably. Oh, for yes. reference,
0: we didn't we didn't note this, but Yes. If you go back to maybe episode 51, 52, 53, um, Sandra's husband is Dr. Scott Sigmund, who is the the incredible strapping young orthopedic surgeon who <laughs> both fixed my shoulder and is Tylenol sponsored and delivered a great episode on opioid sparing procedures.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty inspiring. He's a, He's a healer. Well. Knees was, and shoulders, left and
0: right. <laughs> do you and Scott have a kid? No, I was no, gonna no, say no. if you did, it'd be the yeah. next Jeff Bezos. This thing would be okay. wait, wait,
1: wait. Okay, excuse me. i i have to give I have to give this street cred to my husband, who bought us a furry a furry dog, who's considered our child. Yes. Okay,
0: what does that thing of insane brain power? Because if you and Scott would have a kid, it'd be game over. No, <laughs>
1: no, no. No, you know what? When we first met ten years ago, um, I guess I could have had a child, but I was like, uh, we only have boys. We have five boys. Whoa. And I was like, you know what? Do I really want six boys? No, I just I love my boys, but I think five. is You guys
0: enough. did a big disservice to the world. Yeah, you could uh-huh. have. Well, you could have come up with some kid that was just curing yeah. diseases and <laughs> which would have been great. starting businesses, entrepreneurial.
1: Yeah, we have great five beautiful boys and a cute little furry one, so that's good.
0: That's have good. your businesses ever crossed over? You're in oh my
1: god, completely, completely, and it's funny because. Good story. A customer came in yesterday and was starting to talk to me about like, he's like, you're married to an orthopedic surgeon. I was like, he's like, my back, my this. Come to find out he's a huge Peloton person. And so is Scott. Start talking about that. And I was telling him about Scott's ortho laser because he doesn't want to go in and have like, you know, his non-invasive. Yeah. So I was telling him about ortho. And all of a sudden, one of the girls who works for me, my GM, Kate, said, oh, here, I have one of the brochures and like handed it over. You know what I'm saying? So it's like kind of, it's kind of cool. Like, we have like similar customers. You guys now. got
0: a little empire going up there north of Boston.
1: <laughs> no, I, honestly, I think we're both just trying to serve. It's the, the best way, the only Pro- way to provide some how. value. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, back to Paris. Yeah. So, I'm living in Paris. Our shows are at night. And of course, like, maybe the first couple of months living in Paris, I was like staying out a little too late and
0: a couple of drinks.
1: Yeah. Living it up in Paris. I was like, why not? And um, my mom said to me, you know, Sandra, you're in Paris. And not that, you know, seeing and going to bars is not a great thing or nightclubs, but, you know, there's a lot more there to, to explore. And I was like, oh, she's probably right. So during the day, because remember our shows were at night, I would just kind of wander around. And finally, I just started migrating to these flower shops. And I have no idea why, but at, now I like hindsight, I think it was connecting me, you know, I was missing home probably a little bit. And I would just go in these flower shops and be like this kid who would just sit there and say, how'd you do that? Well, why are you doing that? And these French florists were just so kind to me. And they kind of took me under their wing and taught me all their, their techniques and all their, you know, style. And it's really the framework of how I started my company. Like, I definitely still use a lot of the same techniques they taught me 28 years ago.
0: So then you come back, skating is done. How does Les Fleurs start?
1: Yeah, so living in Paris you know, it's going on a year and a half. I was, Well,
0: you liked it though, right? I yeah, loved
1: it. loved it. But I was burnt out completely living on the road for that long time. You know, you're, you're tapped. It's like, you know, the shows start to get to you, your, your body's taking a beating. And I just think I was, you know, homesick. I was ready to come home. And, and then to like highlight is my mom had breast cancer. And I just was like, you know, you know, you got that gut, you got that like, I think I, I think I'm done. Like I guess I was just knew I was done, and it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was like like taking away my identity. I didn't know what I was going to do after that, and came home and um, had some money. Not, I saved. I you know I didn't make a lot of money, but I I did make enough that I could afford an apartment in Boston, and I enrolled at BU. I was like not going back to UMass. I just said you know what I'm just going to try Boston for a while, and I would come home on the weekends to help my mom with her shop. Well, or her flower business and um, I used to say, Mom, there was this flower shop in, in Paris, it's called Les Fleurs. You know, they wear black aprons, they do everything in their hands and let's let's open a shop together. And I mean secretly I thought maybe this would like give her that spark to, you know, battle her cancer. You know, amongst like when she was throwing up from chemo, I thought, Ugh, you know, maybe this will like brighten her day. Maybe this will give her
0: positive Yeah, stuff, positive yeah.
1: energy. I was like anything you know, to kind of save or cure or make my mom's day a little bit happier, mm-hmm. and um, and and I was a business major in college. I was an economics major, so I was like, I'll be the business side, and mom, you'll be the creative one. And she's like, Well, you know how to design too. I was like, Yeah, but like, you know, at twenty three, I was yeah. like, you know. So we decided to open, lay Fleur's together, I and mean, we looked in Boston. In back then, and like the it was like nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety. There was there was only Newbury Street. So when I was looking at rents around here, I, I just couldn't we just couldn't afford it, and you know it was still high back then. Yeah, it was, and it was only Newbury Street. There wasn't like there is now, like the mm-hmm. South End and the Seaport. There was just there just wasn't that. So we found a spot up in Andover. Um, I was engaged at the time, and I thought, oh, I'll um, to my first husband, and I was like, he was from that area. I didn't know a soul in Andover, and I was still living in Boston. And my mother's from Worcester, so I mean, it made no sense. But it felt right, and we signed a lease for a year in this like little side street and you know, put our shingle out, and that was in January, and my mom died in February. Oh, man. And, yeah, she had complications from a surgery and just died kind of pretty quickly. I was just like, oh, this just sucks.
0: So you're 23, you lose your mom, and you had just started this business venture with her. Right. All at the same time. All at the
1: same time. You know, and this is when... I tell my children, I tell anybody that will listen, there's gonna be hard knocks in life. You are gonna have things that are gonna knock you off your your feet, and you're just gonna be like, I, I can't get up. I, I don't know how to do this. Like, what do I do? And this is when you have to dig deep and you have to say to yourself, I can do this. I can figure it out. My life's not over. And what is the worst thing that could happen? That's why I kept saying, I was like, all right, I signed a lease for a year. All right, I I, I can figure this out. I can do something. So I was like, I just pulled up my, you know, my bootstraps and I said, I'm going to figure this out. So I signed up for a bridal show in Boston at the Park Plaza Hotel and I made bouquets just like I learned in Paris.
0: What is a bridal show?
1: Well, they don't have them anymore, but that was like, remember, there was no internet, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook. So it was like an expo kind of? It was like an expo and you would go and they'd give you like this little booth and you'd set up. You know, all your flowers or your for your photographer, all your pictures and, and so on. And it was this this big, like, expo. And the brides would come and they'd give away free um, honeymoons and anything else to entice them to go to the show. And it was a two-day show and I just passed out my business cards. I had little business cards printed up and I booked 38 weddings.
0: Oh, you were spazzing. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'll you do your wedding. Move? I'll do your wedding. She booked 38 weddings in two days. Yeah. That's insane. Do yeah. you still do business at that volume right now? Like 38, you would still in two days, you'd be like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, we
1: got to a point where we were doing 200 weddings and events a year. I, I won't do that anymore. I, too
0: too no. overwhelming.
1: Well, that's not that. There's just too many things that could go wrong. And I can't say to the bride and groom, oh, sorry, next week, we'll do a better job next week. There's no next week. Yeah. You have to be perfect. And it's just, you know, and our our business has evolved and grown in different ways too that kind of like. I don't know. I'm more interested in too. I don't. I still love doing the weddings. Don't get me wrong. It's the hallmark of my store, but I don't, I like to do other things too. Like teaching is become a passion of mine. I, I do a lot of workshops and I love giving back and teaching folks who think I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm like, yes, you can. Yeah, you can. You can do anything you put your mind to. And that's why I'm always like a big believer in like starting, you know, when the the people come to my workshops, I actually throw them in and I make them do really hard stuff and they just don't think they can do it when they first walk in. And by the end, they're like, I did it. I made this. I was like, like, now go apply this to your life. Big fresh. Yeah.
0: Any questions?
2: Um, I have like two questions. Uh, First one's pretty quick. Is like, um, so when you're first starting um, after your mom passed away, is it just you running the company or do you have people helping you?
1: Oh, no, just me. Oh Well, yeah. my dad would come up on the weekends mm-hmm. and um, help deliver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, just me.
2: Okay. Um, and then my second question is, you mentioned kind of having that, like, I can figure it out kind of attitude. And sure. I would say I'm like sort of the same way, but I also think I take it to a degree where um, it might kind of inhibit any kind of progress because I'm so stuck on trying to do it myself and figure it out rather than kind of reaching out and ha- like reaching out for help. Sure. And so have you kind of found over the years found a way to manage the two? Or are you still sort of like, I can do everything myself and I can figure it out?
1: Absolutely. No, it's a great question. No, I cannot absolutely do it myself. Mm. I, it's 100% fallacy that you can do it all. If you do, you're going to burn out or you're going to be a hot mess. So any advice I can give is... Hire to your weaknesses. So, you know, your strengths are your strengths. So if you enjoy, like, being on the side of, you know, the camera, then stay there.
0: How am I doing? Good?
1: You're doing great. You're great. And the thing is, is that when you hire people, and, and this is so, the way I hire, which is probably very differently than other people, but it's worked for me. I hire those folks that I know are going to compliment me, but I also know that they have their, their kind like, no one wants to work with an asshole. Excuse mm-hmm. my French. They just, you just don't. And and people can come in and show you sort of who they are, and you really don't. So I really try to get to know the person and get to know, like, their soul. I know it sounds, like, a little weird, but those are the ones I've worked out the best for me. Like, I just, they walk in, and you know, you, you ever meet someone, and, like, you look at them, and or you have this energy between you, and it's just, like, really... It's like chemistry. It's Big Fresh. Exactly. And then there's then people over here. We're killing it. Yeah. And then you meet other people and you're like, I don't know. We just didn't. That's kind of like how I hire. And like, that guy's I'm...
0: kind of a dick. I don't really like well, you very much. Well, this
1: was one time. I was never, I'll never forget the story. I was in Bertucci's and a waitress. Oh. And a waitress <sighs> waited. Something a, bad happened. No. And a waitress waited on myself with my two children. And they were spilling milk and they were having temper tantrums. And Bertucci's
0: was, North Andover?
1: Yeah yeah and this waitress was a freaking rock star she had a smile on her face she was cleaning up she was doing this she was you know bringing extra meals i was like here's my card if you ever change your mind and not want to do this for a living or you know want to come work for me i said here's my card i would never take you or never steal anybody from anything but here's my card she came to work for me she was one of my best employees Wow, she was amazing so
0: Real quick though.
1: Yeah, but higher, higher your weaknesses.
0: Well, Abu's question is. Yeah. He likes. He takes pride in getting things done on his own. Do you feel like with that attitude, that you're some you're sometimes not getting to the solution fast enough?
1: Yeah, I think. Am I right? Yeah. 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 So I think the bigger I've become, um, the larger my company has become. That that has been the hardest thing for me because I'm like you, like I, I'm kind of a little bit of a control freak. No way. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, there's definitely times where I'm like, I want to do it. Like, or I see someone else do it, but this is what I tell everybody. If I tie your shoes for you all the time, like you do for little kids, you will never learn how to tie your own shoes. So I have to step back sometimes and say, okay, you got to tie your own shoes And I may not love the way it comes out 100%, but you know what, they're never gonna learn. It's like having children who are learning how to walk. When they fall down, you don't say to them, oh, you're you're a loser, you're never gonna walk in your life. You get them back up and you can do it again. Try again, Hmm. try again. You're gonna walk, all your kids walk, right? Everyone walks. So, and no one can run until they walk. So in my philosophy is, as much as I want to keep control of everything you just can't there's not enough time in the day we're all allotted 24 hours a day so you have to really you know gauge what's the most important to you and you might have to relinquish some of those things that you know you want to do but you just don't have the time to do it so that's when you know employees and that's where notice but th- that's another thing when you when you hire employees you got to make sure they stay in their lanes because of women especially they all want to help i can help with that i can help with that and you're like okay we don't need 10 people waiting on the same customer you're
0: like lady just water the flowers <laughs> that's <what laughs> yeah you're we're all looking. like
1: we're all like busy bees and I say, you know the busy bee and the mosquito the mosquito gets swatted and the bee gets applauded so let's all be busy bees not a mosquito we're all like flying around
0: well yeah that's one thing i've actually noticed because we got a A somewhat decentralized team over here in the Golden Deer Productions camp. But what I've noticed is as soon as... I was running the podcast for a long time on my own. Wow.
1: Congratulations.
0: Well, (laughs) I've been doing stuff alone for a long time. But it wasn't until I actually felt like I had a good post-production team and really good live producers who understand content better until I actually think the value of the show started to increase. But I was apprehensive at first. And then I met Big Fresh in a barbershop, and I was like, "This guy's the chosen one. Let's get him <laughs> over here."
1: That's how you guys met.
0: Uh, well, we-, we had
2: met before, but we just randomly ran into each other at a barbershop. But you, you know
1: that was that was you know, the you- universe. That was a universe. Oh, are, are, are you big into fate? Yeah, I'm super spiritual. My my, and it's so funny when I met my husband. Like, he's definitely got a spiritual side, but I think I've you know, I'm a. i am I mean, like, I was raised Catholic he's Jewish today's Yom Kippur and I feel bad he's at temple and I'm here It's okay. Yeah.
2: It's weird. I was never into any kind of like spiritual or like horoscope or anything like that, but then I started learning a little bit more about um like the signs and like the different traits and Astrology? That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, come on. No, but like Don't it's, do no, this to it's me. Me. kind of like bizarre how accurate each like uh like your like your month's it was a birth sign, what do you call it? Yeah. Yeah. Your, like, yeah. Birth sign, like, zodiac. Zodiac sign like has like corresponding to you. I'm, I think like if you look yours up, you'll 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 see like
0: dude, out but, of
2: everything else, like your specific one like matches up like way more than like all the other signs. And it's just kinda like bizarre well, how that Well
0: works dude, out. but it's I've seen stuff like that and it's a spectrum of a bunch of different characteristics sometimes. So like for a Capricorn it'll be like very ambitious, very hardworking. Also empathetic, sympathetic, kind, but doesn't always get along well with others.
2: I don't think they're that broad. It's like each sign is like weirdly specific to like your own kind of traits and
0: characters. When were you born, Sandra?
1: Oh, my birthday was a couple weeks ago. I'm a Libra, uh, September 25th.
0: And have you investigated the Libra sign? Is it in congruence with your personality?
1: Yeah, it's about balance. If I don't have balance, it's like, watch out got that uh, little italian hot temper <laughs> so my poor staff and my husband's like well
0: oh so are, are you easily thrown off if you're no if you're, no. you're no. pretty you're pretty permeable as yeah. a yeah. as a business person
1: oh yeah and even in my private life because like scott being a surgeon is like you know surgery doesn't start at 703 it starts at seven and I'm more the creative and I'm more like uh oh, seven-ish yeah but you wake up at four every no, day right he wakes up at four you wake up at i wake up at like four Five, five thirty, five, five thirty. Yeah, I go. I go to bed a little later than him. I can't go to bed at like eight thirty nine. God bless him. Okay.
0: Okay. Before we actually get into some of the entrepreneurial stuff, so you're twenty three. Yeah. You book all those weddings. How do you scale the business in the first ten years? In the first five years, actually.
1: Oh, it. You know, and that's something. You know, to dial back a little bit. The first thing is to be an entrepreneur. You have to have the belief system. You have to believe you can do it. Because I used to tell my boys, 100% of the goals you don't shoot, don't go in. Think about it. 100% of the goals you don't shoot. You've got to take the shot.
0: Sandra, I got to be honest. I think a million people have said that before. No,
1: but I say to my boys because they were like little hockey players. Right? They didn't understand. they were like, well, then ah. they
0: turn into the ball hogs. You can't be doing that.
1: No puck hogs. Yeah, puck hogs. No, but that's that. I simplified it in those terms. Wayne Gretzky said that quote because at little kids, they just don't understand. Like, well, I didn't have the shot, mom, and the goalie. I was like, yeah. Do you think five, four, uh, four, um, three forwards and two defensemen and the goalie are just going to say, oh, Mitchell Sheehan, come on in, you know, shoot the puck? You know, come on in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you score the goal. And it's the same thing with work, with businesses. Whatever you do, you create the belief system that you can do it, that you will find the way or that innately in you, if you don't believe in yourself and you have doubts, which we all do, which we all do. But I think to answer your question, in my 20s, if I had that belief system, I was always doubting myself. I was always like, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? Oh, that's not going to... And it also cared way too much of what everyone else thought. And I think if I could tell my younger self something, I would have scaled much, much um, faster and much easier. I just put myself through a lot of heartache.
0: So how long did it take you to scale from like doing a... Wet, a what were you doing, like 50 weddings a year or to, to really reaching like a bigger critical mass?
1: Yeah, I think... Um, When I started my second business at age 37 is when I I really had like money in the bank and had a lot of, um, you know, respect in the community.
0: So it's 14 years.
1: Yeah, it took a while. It took a while. I mean, I was really well known in the wedding industry.
0: What do you mean your second business?
1: Yeah, I just came up with this great idea to start another business, and I did um, another company where it was more bringing in French antiques and uh, a lot of design-based, and I did a lot of interior design. So I was working full-time at the flower shop and then opened another shop in Andover with a partner, and we kind of did both for 10 years, and then I was just like, I just can't do two stores anymore.
0: It well, it made me. sense, though. There's some crossover between the industry and the, yeah. the market, right? Yeah. Yeah, For and I sure. also
1: missed France, and I thought it was my way to get back into France, and so I just decided to kind of do that. And now I do a lot of it at the at the shop, at the flower shop. I go to France, I bring containers over of um, French goods, antiques, production goods, soaps, you know, perfumes, all the the stuff from uh, France that all us girls like.
0: So let's say someone is interested in the, the floral industry. What would you say is a good place to start for instance my my mom loves flowers oh. but she's been heavy in business her whole life and so when she retires she wants to do something in the industry and obviously this isn't really for our t- our target market but shout out to my mom but hey, mom. <laughs> yeah like what would a good what would some good steps for her to be to start getting involved and in understanding flowers better
1: oh t- for sure interning Like, go ask whoever you idolize. Go work for Sandra. Yeah, like, go, I'll sweep your floors. I'll, like, you know, just absorbing. Because there's just nuances. I'm sure there's nuances here. Like, I wouldn't understand, you know, setting this all up. But if I guess I hung out here for a week, I'd probably pick up some stuff. So it's the same way. I mean, you just have to work under some sort of master. I mean, you're going to learn much. Going to school or, I guess, you know, you could go online and watch a YouTube thing. But... I would say intern, 100%.
0: So, how did you develop, how does someone develop a style in floral floral design? I mean, from what I could tell, your style is like very simplistic. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. And Mm -hmm. and you, like your color palettes are sometimes a little more monotone. Is that right?
1: Yes. Wow. You've done your homework. Yes. Did
0: a little research, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well it's like your handwriting everyone's gonna have their own little hand you know how they write their name and also everyone has their own imprint the thing is is with my style there's a few things like my basics that i i always teach in my workshops one is your scale your balance your color theory and there's some people that have beautiful, like, scale and their arrangements, you know, look pretty accurate, but their color's all wrong.
0: What is scale? Like, how much it pops out of the pot? Or like- yeah, so
1: if you have a container that's, like, this big and then your flower arrangement's this big, it's out of scale, you know? It's like walking into a room and you buy it. You know, the, the folks that have, like, this teeny apartment, and they buy a sofa the large, the size of, like, you know, the whole apartment. You're like, whoa, something's off. They're like, do you think this sofa looks okay? Or they buy a sectional. That's, so it's the same thing. It's just something that just doesn't fit and doesn't look. There's nowhere the eye can rest. So anyway, same with flowers and same with color. So a lot of times you see like that all kind of clashing. So I definitely defer to more simplistic designs. That's, that's and, my and that's
0: pulled from the Parisian influence?
1: Totally, yeah. And I still go over all the time. And I'm still, I'm always learning, always
0: and so how have you twisted that to kind of make the Sandra sauce? Like, is there anything <laughs> a little bit different than what we would see in like a flower shop in Paris? Like, so if someone's buying like, okay, yep, these are definitely flowers from Sandra. Is there something that's trademarked? Oh yeah,
1: totally. Everyone sees our designs and is like, I know that was a Le Flowers design because when, we, when I started doing this type of work with my signature style, whatever you want to call it, um, a lot of folks weren't doing that they were doing like very FTD looking and I'm not dissing FTD and I'm not. What is FTD? FTD is like, you know, the dozen roses with the uh, carnations or the baby's breath. And I was using uh, much higher end blooms. I was, you know, Adding really cool, you know, types of greenery and types of little berries and things. And I was just like elevating our designs and adding a lot of more little delicate touches. Whereas, you you know, FTD, you get your dozen roses, you get your greens, and you get baby's breath. There's not a lot of like little touches. So, that's the difference I feel our, our style is.
0: So, here's a question. Yeah. On your website, like some of your arrangements, I actually have it on my phone. <laughs> I wrote it down. But... My experience when I'm buying flowers for some shorties, right? I go to stop and shop. You know what I'm saying? I get the smooth like $10 oh, no. roses. That's oh, what I'm no. in. Mean, you know, it's like a, oh. isn't that, isn't it? It's a kind gesture to get a girl flowers traditionally, right? Oh,
1: totally. So yeah, for, and a thought does count, so whatever you uh, get her is
0: fine. That's what I'm saying. It's thought that counts. But let's say a dude my age wants to go buy a girl some flowers, right? Yeah. You know, get on a good side. Maybe they got a little fight. Maybe he's bringing her out to dinner or something. What psychological effect would buying flowers from Sandra have over buying some Stop and Shop flowers? Because a boo's got it. This has been going on some dates, so Aww. I'm trying to think of like what could he get for his new wifey from Sandra? New
1: wifey? What? Yeah. Oh, so,
0: sorry to disparage you, but you haven't gone on dates. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well okay for all you Why girls Sandra there, and not okay, stop so, and show. well example i'm gonna and i'm this is like something us girls will know it's like buying shoes do you want to wear like i'm trying to say would you want to wear a lesser brand or do you want to wear the louis vuittons do you want to buy the louis vuitton purse or do you want the and it's the way it's made and it's the quality of ingredients like so the leather bag that's from louis vuitton is going to be much much nicer than the leather they're using for a cheaper brand i won't I'm not going to diss any In the back
0: from TJ Maxx is what you're saying.
1: I'm going to let you say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. You say it. Yeah, of course. I mean, you get what you pay for. It's like a car, you know? But, but you drive the Mercedes versus, I don't m- know. My Civic. I'm just, no, I'm just going <laughs> to She like, parked
0: a C-Class next to my Civic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, you get what you pay for. So I'm do, obsessive do most- over quality. Like, I will, I throw flowers out of the store all the time. I'm like, nope, it doesn't. And actually, a shout-out to Flower Power. Any leftover flowers we have from a wedding or from things we don't use, they show up at our store at the moment's notice. And what they do is they take our flowers that we feel are kind of past its date. They bring them back to their Tewksbury um, – place and what they do is they teach underprivileged teenagers how to put flowers together and then they go and donate them to nursing homes hospitals because think about when i get arrangements from weddings right they were this big and we would try to donate them to like to hospitals or to nur- uh, nursing homes and they would look at us and be like are you kidding me like what are, what are we going to do with this mm. you know it's too big so right. now what they do is they take all apart our kind of designs because we just went Sorry, to the. I'm wedding. just pulling up
0: the question. Yeah. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. So, You're long
1: good. story short, that's what happened. Is we donate all flowers that can be repurposed and bring joy to someone's day. Mm. So. What that's would amazing. you say
2: is like the most complicated arrangement request you've ever had?
0: That's a great question. Oh that's, God, that's, that's, I have one some, guy. A bunch of other people. Had okay. That question. I, okay.
1: I swear I was not going to tell this story, but I think it's important. One. <laughs> one guy called me, and his girlfriend just broke up with him. He was oh. pissed. And he wanted to know if I could give him dead roses, like black roses.
0: Smart my type of guy.
1: And I was like, what? <laughs> you want me to? He goes, yeah. And I want them dead. And I want them droopy. And I want them. And I was like, and he's like, he wanted to pay for them. And I was like, ah.
0: He's like, go on 93, find some roadkill and put it in the pot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I thought, deliver it to
0: my ex's door.
1: Right. And I thought that he was joking. I was like, no, no. Like, first of all, in like so many levels, I was like wrong 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 but yeah no he wanted black dead roses did you say no or did you yes do no i said no i was like first i'm not gonna be part of like that yeah, negative i'm calling energy. the cops man <laughs> no, no no i was like i'm not being part of that negative energy but yeah, sometimes you get requests for kind of kooky stuff
0: well do you ever get requests for funerals will you do funerals
1: yeah no we do it's not something i you know i just for so many reasons like i
0: it's a so weird like capitalizing off a of death kind of is that weird for you
1: you know what, and not to get too personal, I've had so much death in my, my life. Like, my mom died very young. My mom got breast cancer at 40, died at 50. Um, my sister, two years later, um, died of an overdose. And that's one of the reasons that Scott is so passionate. I, don't, I know he didn't talk about it at the podcast. He knows how deeply it affected me. I had a sister who was National Honor Society, who had a bright future, and... You know.
0: Was it heroin?
1: Yeah, she switched from uh, pills to heroin. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah so, yeah, so young. Died two years after my mom. And it um, you know, just was tough. And then my dad was killed in a car accident 10 years ago with a uh. kid that was texting. So funerals are, oh, that's hard for me. It just you know brings back that kind of heaviness to me. So yeah, I, I do funerals, but I'm pretty much crying through the, all of them i'm still to this day yeah it's hard
0: is it weird though because like you understand like well that and like how death affects people so it's like you you're kind of providing value to people who are totally going through it or is it does that make sense
1: yeah i mean i think another thing i used to come home to scott and um i you know knew this great customer and she came in and she tears in her eyes i'm gonna cry telling the story she um she lost her son at 21 because he had his wisdom teeth out and he got hooked on Oxy and, and went to drugs and had an overdose. And I can't tell you my stories. I've come home like that and I just, you know, and it breaks my heart because, you know, in families, I know my family has it. You know, my grandmother was an alcoholic and um, I think that just trailed down. So I don't drink, uh, I don't do drugs. Nor do I. Yeah, I have my coffee as yeah. <laughs> about as strong as I go. And um, it's my choice as well as your choice. And um, But just, you know, be smart. I tell my kids, be good decisions. You know, I'm not going to micromanage you. You know, my husband's always like moderation. Um, but yeah, it's it's a killer. Like, be uh, more self-awareness. And I think as younger, I, I would have taken much better care of my mental health.
0: Well, do you ever think... Um A lot of successful people, and it's what I'm gathering from you too, is you probably are pretty obsessive. At what point did you realize you had to channel some of your obsessive nature to productive stuff because you could probably swing on the other end pretty easily? Because I feel that way about myself a lot. I'm like, I have to be hyper productive because I know I could get hooked on some bad shit if I let myself meander.
1: Yeah, I think um, having gratitude getting up every morning, thanking God for all that you have and really keeps me really grounded because I, I, you could lose it all.
0: Does that make sense though? So yeah, kn- yeah,
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely have that personality trait, but I think you know when I was younger, it was a little bit more heightened, but now I'm a little bit like older and a little bit more chill and a little bit more like I don't really give a shit anymore about certain things that used to be really, really important to me. But yeah, you got to channel it. And now I'm also, which maybe you are too, I'm like my schedule is like my life. Like I, And this is just my choice. I don't watch TV. I don't do anything that's like a time suck.
0: You uh, listen to some podcasts though, right?
1: I'm a huge podcast lover. I mean, I've, I'm not like working on myself, working on my business or doing something I really, really love. Then to me, I feel like I wasted the day. And that's yep. something I work on every day because like sometimes you just need to chill. But that's hard for me. I'm sure it's hard for you. It's yeah. hard for Scott. It's
0: whack. Yeah. I don't really want to chill.
1: So. No, and I, that's another thing like... I tell my boys this, you know, find your passion, find out what you love to do, because your life is pretty long. And if you're doing something you really hate to do, like that's just not going to fulfill you. It's not going to sustain you. You're going to like be bitter. You're just not going to be good for anybody, yourself, your family, your spouse. So find what you love to do and do it. Just do it. Get up. I get up and jump out of bed every single day. So I'm going to circle back to my best friend. Sounds scary. Kim. Yes. She works. <laughs> like, so- let's go. Yeah. So she got a job with Putnam Investments the same time I started my company. She is still there. She's, you know, and she got the fancy office. I was like a little envious. I was like, wow. You know, and honestly, I, and I think I can speak first. I think she just goes in for a paycheck now. I don't think, I think she still likes it, but I just think like.
0: It's not rewarding for her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, I tell my boys, I was like, you know, and I know some parents are like, like, I know when I went to college, I wanted to study art and design, and my parents were like, oh, no, 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 it's gotta be business. And you know what? Go study whatever you wanna do, because if you're gonna like it and you're gonna love it, you're gonna do it well. You know, you are. It's just simple math. You you guys, like you said, you jump up out of bed, you're excited to do your podcast. No, no, I'm saying you do that. (laughs) I do that too. I'm sure you do it.
0: You like look at the mirror, you're just like, let's go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, completely.
0: This, this is the Sigmund Empire. Yeah.
1: So I have another... And,
0: and Scott says, you want to pop some Tylenol today? <laughs> they got right, yeah, fine, we'll do it.
1: Well, this is a, another cute story. So I go to, to take this master class like four years ago with all these like other floral masters and we're all sitting around the table um, and we're talking about social media and how to like get the word out. So, I mean, I started like dabbling a little bit like Instagram, Facebook and um this one girl was like, so how long have you been in business? I was like, oh, like 25 years. And she's like, how many followers you have? I was like, I have 800 followers. And I was like, so proud of myself. And I was like, well, what about you? She goes, yeah, I started my company two years ago. I'm like 24. And I was like, how many followers do you have? 20,000. I was like, what? So I was like, damn it. And I came home and I basically taught myself as much as I possibly could about social media. It's changing every day. It is. And that's what she's going to say, like... So four years, I just became at my mission. I was like, but I did it in a way that not to be like, you know, I want to show them and it's all about having likes. I was like, how can I serve? Like, how can I get what I do? Can, how can I make someone happy? How can I like change? Do a little value. Yeah. How can I do value? So, you know, I remember when Scott was kind of starting to get into it too. Follow that fro. Right. And I was like, you know. There's a
0: hashtag, follow the fro. But he,
1: he fought me a little <laughs> bit on it because he was like, well, like, doctors are not. Like, I was like, why not? If you go to an airport and look around, everybody's on their phone.
0: He was going to live stream him putting a shot into my shoulder. He was? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. So Um, it's important.
2: I have a question that actually kind of relates to that. So, you know, you start this company over 20 years ago when social media was not what it was today. Um, And because I think your business is it touches such a personal kind of aspect of people's lives. Like Mm -hmm. word of mouth is like a big kind of um, marketing tactic in a way. Sure. Do you find Mm -hmm. that that's still the same today? Or are you almost like, do you feel like you have to kind of get um, advertisements out on social media and do all this kind of other stuff?
1: Um, Yeah, another great question. I think um, to me, especially in my industry, women love to love to talk and love to refer, mm-hmm. you know, and I do too. Like if you have a really great thing or you're like using something, that's a great product. You, you always want to share it with your girlfriends. I mean, Tell your girlfriends like, about the podcast. I will. Tell I, told them. You what, I was telling some of my customers and they're like, what podcast? I was like, Oh, okay.
0: You got to see these two kids in the back of this warehouse. They're so <laughs> handsome. They're amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So I, I think referrals to me is the, the biggest form of flattery that I could ever receive because mm-hmm. It, it gives me affirmation that someone has used our, us for something and they liked it and then they were willing to pass our name on. I mean, that's like, you know, people can talk about whatever they want. They don't have to talk about lay Fleur's or something else. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, same with you. I mean, they could listen to any podcast. The fact that they listen and you're like, you know, respond or give me a shout out. Like, that's amazing because if you want, everyone wants to be noticed.
0: But I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, within the wedding space, word to mouth is by far the most yeah effective yeah. marketing tactic yeah
1: brides are not gonna go google I mean they will but for the most part they want right. to know like someone else has used you and mm. they had a good experience with you um, social media just you know I was, I was saying to one of my um, I, I mentor a few other women in business and I was saying to them it's like think of it this way you know your social media your referrals your blog your whatever else you do your website think of it as making a soup and just keep adding stuff in and the soup is only good if you add all these ingredients in. It's, you know, otherwise it's just broth or it's just this. It's like cooking. Like you got to put all the spices in. You got to put everything in and, and then you'll come up with something amazing. That's how you should look at it. You shouldn't just say, oh, if I just do Instagram or if I just do Facebook or if I just do this. Like I started blogging about a year ago and I'm just getting great um, mm-hmm. responses from it. And I just speak from my heart and I make sure it's very authentic and um, it's really kind of been for me a really positive experience like giving back and you know and getting a rapport going with people yeah so definitely I would say everything
0: quick question yeah. how do you how do you develop the price point for a lot of your products because I mean you're a higher-end flower store how do you like what I want to make sure I'm saying this right what makes the blouche at blanc is that right yeah, yeah. 175 bucks like is this the type of is our flowers the type of thing people like they actually feel assured when they're buying something expensive because they know it's going to be good
1: yes yeah, so what we do is we break down the centerpieces into recipes and what our designers do is the vase is one price okay and the markup isn't isn't like that you know two 2.5 so if cost a dollar it's going to be 250 you know because again got to make money yeah and that's another thing like in the beginning, it's to be like, oh, I don't want to charge. And, but the thing is, is you have to charge. And I'll tell you why you have to charge. People want your goodness. And if they want your goodness and they want you to stay in business, then, then they have to sustain you, okay? Because if you don't make money, you can't pay your rent, you can't pay your employees, and you have to shut down.
0: You got to move that top line.
1: You do. And I'm really, really, that's another thing. I look at my margins all day long and I'm looking at my P L and um, profit and loss statement, every single week. I sit down with my business advisor, I sit down with my slash office manager, bookkeeper, and I analyze everything. I also look at analytics on my website, oh. who's coming in, what they're doing, why they're doing it. But that's like my whole, le- and that's where my economics degree comes in. I like, I love that stuff too. Like okay. I'm in like my that's perfect. The statistics
0: yeah. and stuff. Whoa. Oh, I
1: love it. I love it. It's challenging. Like how do you know, like opt-ins, like, I was noticing like we weren't just getting a lot of sign-ups on our, email, I mean, on our email through our website. And I was like, well, you know what? Probably I wouldn't want to sign up and just get nothing in return. And I was like, how about the number one question I get at the shop outside of Flowers? My cousin's going to Paris. Where should she go to dinner? My, my cousin's going. Where should she stay? What attraction? So I was like, I'm going to re- write a Paris guide. So I sat down and wrote, wrote a 15-page Paris guide. And I wrote it on Canva. Everybody heard Canva? And I just put it Canva? in, like, Canva. Oh, is that
2: like... um? It's like a... Yeah. It's like a formatting kind yeah, of thing? Formatting. Yeah, formatting. And then
1: I uploaded to our, my um, my Betsy, my IT person, um, uploaded it to our website. And we offered this. Like, you know, you sign up for our email and you'll get promotions from me, but you also get some information. And that's what I did. So it was great. Uh,
0: okay, yeah. quick segue back to yeah. why, why the Ranger, POTS okay. 175.
1: Yeah, so anyways, the, the vase is one. And then you also... It takes time for a designer. She doesn't whip it up in two minutes. It could take her up to an hour. So labor has to come into it. And then the stems, you know, and again, I'm flying stems in from Holland. They're not going to cost a dollar. Some stems are like $5, 10 So I come up with the original design. And
0: then do you, is there like, are you able to charge more because your brand though too?
1: I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, cause like, think about it. There's a lot of great floral designers out there too. I mean, I'm just like, I just do me. And I do what I do. And I look at the price of the vase. I look at the price of the flowers and how long it takes us. And that's our recipe. And that's what I don't try to rate people, but I also don't want to mm-hmm. undercut and do it for free either. And that's something when you're a floral designer. You know, I'm at this wedding this weekend and I'm like, oh, just one more. And, you know, and those one mores and you add up someone. I listen to a podcast where someone added an extra rose. And if you add an extra rose to every arrangement for a whole year, you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. So you gotta be have a lot of awareness about that. Got it yeah. quick quick
0: question for some value for some hashtag content, not to make this a gender thing, sure, but a lot of I know a lot of great young entrepreneurial minds who are girls, and in my experience, a lot of them hesitate to start their first business because of judgment. Can you give a little advice to them and yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Like, hallelujah. I'm so mm. glad you asked me this question because that is really where my heart is right now, is helping other. And seriously, email me, girls. DM me, whatever you want. I am the biggest advocate for helping other women. And and not to say that, you know, guys, you, I mean, we're all in it together. But for some, I just have this affinity for women. And it's harder for girls. Yeah, it's harder. Like, we judge ourselves. We judge each other. Oh, look what she's doing. You know what? We all should win. We all should make it. And I think with women who are starting out, they're so afraid. Like, guys are a little bit better with this. They're like, screw it. I'm just going to put it out. I'm just going to, like, make that video. I'm just going to show myself. And girls are like, does my hair look okay? Is my makeup okay? I don't know. It's not perfect. If, like, us women, we feel like we have to have it perfect before we can present it to the public. And that's so untrue. It's really not. I've, I've stumbled. But who cares? You're Trust me, you're, they're on to the next you know, uh, story after you and they can't even remember what you feel like you highlight your faults much more than anybody else would. So I would say, go for it. Just take that risk. You I mean, do something scary every single day. I've taken some major risks in my life. My my family, my friends, especially my girlfriends thought I was crazy. And I was like, no, I'm doing it. And what's the worst thing that can happen? Just go for it.
0: Well, also building on that, being in a floral industry, like some of the girls I went to college with, they all got their degrees in like finance or marketing or, you know, something in business. Yeah. But I think a lot of them wanna do something creative. It that's just a hard conversation to have with your parents after you get a four year degree from somewhere, like, hey, I, I think I'm gonna start up this flower shop. What what push would you give them? It's
1: their life. It's absolutely their life. It's not their parents. You know, like at the end of the day, they have to live with their decisions. And what's the, you want to regret? Do you know when people are dying? You know the, the last thing they think about is all the stuff they didn't do. You know, every person I've ever died in front of me says, "I wish I did this," or "I wish I did this." And you know what? It's not your parents' life. I tell my kids that all the time. It's not my life. Uh, it's yours. And you, at the end of the day, have to come to peace with that. So, mom, dad, I love you, but I'm going to show you. I'm
0: but gonna- you got to just shut up.
1: And also, and I say this with some, I say this with a lot of kindness. A lot of women come to me like, I really love to do makeup, and I want to become a makeup designer, a makeup artist. So I say to them, okay, what's your plan? I don't have a plan. I just want to do it. Well, then it's just, it's just a wish. Unless I see in your calendar that you're showing up, that you're getting a side job at, you know, the Chanel counter in Neiman Marcus to learn your trade and to, the only way you're going to get better is by doing it. And someone's like, well, I have this grand idea. I'm going to start making, you know, cupcakes. Well, then on the weekends, show up to parties, show up to your friend's birthday parties and make your cupcakes and show up. And bring them and taste them and offer them for free.
0: And get pumped.
1: Yeah. Like, you got to do it. Like, because that's the thing. They talk a lot about it. Yeah. But there's nothing in their, you like.
0: execute, dude. Yeah.
1: There's nothing in their calendar that's, like, kind of. So, I would say that. And tell your parents I love you. But got to do it yourself.
0: Big fresh. Any final questions?
2: Uh, I think I'm all out of questions.
1: You did, <laughs> hey. hey.
0: Killer questions from you again today. You're, like, six for six, <laughs> man thank you okay listen one thank you I learned a ton did you have fun I loved it it was awesome thank you very very happy thank you listen this is how we start and end the episode Sure. you say hi I'm blank your name and Mm -hmm. this is my golden hour directly after no break hi your name and that was my golden hour so it's this is this is and that was okay which camera you want us on man Okay. I wanna be I'll I'll be right here. Let me scooch on over. Whenever you're ready.
1: Hi, this is Sandra Sigmund and this is my golden hour. Hi, this is Sandra Sigmund and this was my golden hour.
0: Blew it. Blew it, Sandra. That
1: was, oh! that was That was.
0: That was. Oh, shit. It's okay. it, it it's okay. This, because this ev-
1: was and that uh, was. This and that. We've had about This
0: eight, is We've had a Probably a two point six percent success rate on this.
1: Okay, this this is yeah. and that, that was. was. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just, just tortures <laughs> people. <laughs> Hi, this is Sandra Sigmund, and this is my golden hour. Hi, this is Sandra Sigmund. That was my golden hour.
0: Bang, smack, big fresh. Tell us one.
2: We're good. Yeah.